Chapter 23 An hour later, half the folks in town who owned a car must have decided at the same time to show up at Jake's for gas and oil with tires that were low on air and radiators that had decided to go haywire and all kinds of other automobile malfunctions. For the next two hours, Daddy, Matthew, Merriweather, and I didn't seem to get a minute of rest. Finally, things settled down. Merriweather, with Abigail nestled beside him, was resting in the spot where he usually eats his lunch. Now that's what's called earning your pay, he told me. About to have our lunch now, nothing but fruit and turkey sandwiches. You're welcome to share. Abigail will probably only eat half hers. No, thank you. I'd ruin my appetite for supper, and Mama ain't fond of that. Suit yourself. I'll sit here a spell, though. Daddy's working on his ledger, and he doesn't like to be bothered when it comes to numbers. Merriweather patted the ground beside him, and I took a seat. How was that parade you were so excited about? There were lots of people, and a marching band, and the mayor of Charleston gave a speech, and afterward, there was a party at my cousin's house for my Uncle Earl and some of the other war heroes. Never seen so many medals. And a photographer from the Charleston newspaper was there. Sounds like you had a very good time, he said. Boy, did I. Earl and the others told us about the Battle of the Bulge, said they'd never seen so much snow, didn't know that places on earth could get that cold. Well, they're about right about that. It wasn't just cold. We were close to being frozen. Suddenly, he stopped. What'd you say? I asked him. Abigail, whose nose had been buried in the book, glanced over at her father. You promised Mama not to talk about it around white folks, ever, she warned. Talk about what? Merriweather gazed off into space. You good at keeping secrets, Gabriel? Usually. Abigail stood up. Don't tell him, Daddy. Mama made you swear on the Bible. I won't tell no one, I promise. What? I hope you're a person of your word, Gabriel Haberlin. I am. Why'd you say that stuff about the Battle of the Bulge? You made it sound like you were there, too. I was, and so were other colored men. And I'm tired of keeping it bottled up inside me when y'all soldiers get to brag and have fancy parades and all I have is a uniform, a good conduct medal, an honorable discharge, and my memories. Always considering myself to be a brave man, but lately I've been so full of fear. I even stopped reliving it with colored folks. He stared off again into the distance before continuing. I already have the answer to this question, but let me ask it anyway. Any colored soldiers honored in that parade? No. Merriweather drew his knees up to his chest and dropped his head into his hands. Abigail patted his shoulder tenderly. Don't be sad about it again, Daddy. Starting to feel like a dream, he whispered. What'd you do over there? He raised his head and looked straight at me. I drove a tank. Wow. Yes, sirree. I was a member of the United States Army's 761st Tank Battalion, all colored. Called ourselves the Black Panthers. Motto was come out fighting, and that's exactly what we did. Proud to say we finished off a lot of Nazis and did our part to win the war. I repeated. That was where you learned about engines and all that. Had some training in high school, but mastered it in the army. 
spent more than a year learning everything about those tanks, including how to take them apart and put them back together. Most of us thought we'd never see any action, idling in neutral, same as a car. That's what it felt like. But we were prepared, ready, and raring to go. All we needed was someone to slip us into gear and step on the gas. Finally, General Patton did, and we were deployed. So you're a war hero just like my uncle, I told him. Sure thought I was. I was shipped home, got my discharge paper, and came face to face with the truth. Right then, Matthew called out and waved me up front to the pumps to help him. I really didn't want the conversation to end because I had a lot of questions for Meriwether, but I had no choice. Dang it, I gotta go. Remember the promise you made. The seriousness in his voice let me know how important it was to him, and I replied, I will, I promise. The next time I caught sight of him, he had finished He had finished for the day. All I saw were their backs, his and Abigail's, as they walked away, Meriwether holding her hand. I wondered why he didn't want white folks to know about him being a tanker and what he meant by the truth. Good night, I hollered out. They both turned and waved. Chapter 24 As soon as I got to work the next day, I saw Abigail, and to my surprise, she was talking to Lucas, who, for some reason, was still hanging around. By the time I'd finished pumping gas and washing a car's windows, Lucas was driving off and Abigail was heading to the bathroom. I was so anxious to know what they'd been talking about, so I waited for her outside. Before long, she opened the door. I didn't even say hello, just began with the question. What were you talking to Lucas about? We weren't exactly talking. He was asking and I was answering. Asking what? What my name was, so I told him. Said he never knew anyone named Abigail before. Then I told him it means a father's delight. And I don't know why, but that made him laugh. Did you say anything about the bicycle? No, not my place. Don't talk to him again, I commanded. He ain't nice about colored people. Wasn't talking like I told you, she said. The question I'd stored up from the previous day were begging to be answered. So I asked one, why doesn't your daddy want white folks to know about him being in the army? She glanced toward the garage where Meriwether was busy at work before replying in a low voice. <clears throat> colored pastors all over been warning colored men who were in service not to talk about it or show off in their uniforms. Why? Lest they want to wind up lynched up in a tree like that colored soldier over in Batesburg who got his eyes poked out and now he's forever blind. Would you want your daddy to be killed or forever blind? The thought made me shiver. No. Neither do I. That's why you can't tell anyone. <clears throat> My daddy and mama claim some white men don't like the idea of a colored man being a war soldier equal to them. When I'd gotten to work that day, I'd been determined to find out more about Mr. Hunter being a tanker. But Abigail had quickly turned my curiosity away from that and aimed it at the man she had said had his eyes poked out. Was she exaggerating the way kids sometimes do? Batesburg wasn't far off. I hadn't heard anything about that. Then again, Mama and Daddy do their best to keep particularly gruesome news away from my ears. But I was 12 now, and like Meriwether said, practically a man in some places. I suppose I'd known for a while that the world, including Birdsong USA, isn't always pretty, but recently my understanding of that was growing. 
A car horn honking let me know a customer was waiting at the gas pumps, and since Matt was homesick with tonsillitis, I needed to skedaddle. Dad was there waiting. He made it crystal clear that I had to stay up front so that when customers drove up, they didn't have to wait. Not good for business, he instructed, and that's exactly what I was doing the rest of the afternoon until a ruckus near the garage caught my attention. Merriweather was whooping and a-hollering. Lucas, I proclaimed loudly and ran like heck. But when I got to the garage, no one was there. Then I heard Merriweather shouting at back. I was awfully scared until I laid eyes on them. Merriweather and Abigail were as happy as could be, laughing out loud, jumping up and down. And soon I knew why. The hood of the 36 Chevy, the car that nobody could fix, was popped and the engine was purring like a kitten. Merriweather climbed inside the car and revved the motor. Abigail, we own us an automobile. I can't believe it, I told him. No one else. Before I could finish, he cut me off. What I tell you about me, son, that you're mighty good at fixing things. Abigail cracked a smile at me and ran her hand along the car from the front fender to the back. My daddy is truly amazing, isn't he? He sure is, I agreed. Truly amazing. Chapter 25. If Merriweather getting that Chevy to run had surprised me, Daddy was practically in a state of disbelief. I'm plumb flabbergasted, Merriweather. I swear you're some kind of magician. He turned to Abigail and asked, Did you actually see your daddy fix it, or did he wave a magic wand and say, Presto, change up? Yes, sir, I saw him with my very own eyes. And all he was using were his tools. Plus, he doesn't even have a magic wand. Daddy Merriweather and I cracked up. Abigail squinted her eyes at my daddy. You're just funning with me, huh? I'll get the certificate of title transferred to your name as soon as I can. Daddy motioned to a pile of papers on his desk. It, it might take some time, though, because, as you can see, I'm swamped, he explained. For now, I'll write a note in case anything unforeseen. Daddy scribbled something on a paper and handed it to Merriweather. That should do for now. No hurry, and sir, all the backed up cars are fixed. So seeing as Matthew's off sick, I'll spend the rest of the time helping Gabriel out front at the pump, unless you got something else that needs doing. That'd be helpful to me, Merriweather. Daddy glanced at his papers again and allow me to finish up here. And so Abigail, book in hand, happily skipped off to the garage to read while Merriweather and I worked. Cheerfully, he greeted each customer, humming now and then, having a hard time believing it, that I actually owned me an automobile. He let out a joyful hoot. Told you you would, I reminded him. A smile parted his lips as he recalled the conversation we'd had. That you did, didn't you? That you did. After a spell, probably because the clouds had decided to give a sprinkling of rain, the flow of customers came to a halt. So we found shelter and sat. I've been meaning to ask you some questions, I told him. He chuckled. You mean start one of your interrogations? Most other times, a funny, funny accusation like that would have made me grin. But because my thoughts were so serious, I didn't. It's just I was wondering about something Abigail told me today. Merriweather interrupted me. Abigail already confessed she told you while we were trying to keep quiet about, have, about me having been in the Army. Yes, sir. And about... The man over in Batesburg who had his eyes poked out? Oh, that's a horrendous tale. Not sure it should be told to someone your age. 
But Abigail knows, and she's only ten. His eyes lost their sight. Abigail's a southern colored girl. Some things have to be known by colored children for their safety. Most of our young ones lose their innocence long before most y'all do. Still, if you don't mind, sir, I'd like to know. Got a thirst for knowledge, that it? Yes, sir, I suppose. I'm twelve now, plus I want to know the truth. Sometimes the truth ain't pretty, Gabriel. Sometimes it's ugly. I'd like to know it just the same. Meriwether stared off into the beyond and started talking. Ever since we got back from overseas, me and my army buddies have been hearing tales about colored soldiers who survived the war only to come home to the South to be murdered because of it. Wearing a uniform made them sitting ducks and displaying medals was the same as wearing a bullseye. Seems some white folks had trouble accepting that we colored soldiers not only had done our part, but are as American as they are. And the man over in Batesburg, I asked, Sergeant Isaac Woodward is his name, happened back in February, was still wearing his uniform when he was pulled off the bus by the police. He was beaten and thrown in jail, had his eyes gouged out, and he was denied appropriate medical attention. But why? From what Pastor told us, the only crimes he committed were asking to use the restroom, being a colored man, and being in a military uniform. But those aren't crimes, I said. Got one set of laws for us and another set for y'all, Meriwether said. I can give you more truth if you're ready to swallow it. Most folks in the South ain't, but you seem like you might be ready. You ready? Think so. Half free ain't free. Being overseas gave us a taste of real freedom. And once we returned, having experienced that liberty made it hard to stomach not having it here. In the country we fought for, the country a lot of colored men gave their lives for, I realized that we were that where we made our mistake was thinking it'd be better when we got home in places here in the South. Instead, in some ways, it felt worse. It was as if the cruelty of Jim Crow had been multiplied. Can't do this, not allowed here being called a boy when what I am is a man. And look at the school my Abigail has to attend. How different is it from yours? Having already noticed this, when I peered through the window into the colored school that day, I hung my head and said, I know. Don't you be ashamed, son. Not like it's your doing. Ain't right. Sorry, Mr. Gabriel. Be nice if the truth always tasted good, wouldn't it? Yes, sir. It'd be nice, mighty nice. Right then, two cars pulled up at the same time. Suppose we have to end this serious conversation and, and earn our wage, he commented. I half smiled at him. Suppose so. At closing time that evening, Daddy and I watched as Meriwether and Abigail climbed into their car. It was still raining off and on, but a full moon had appeared from behind the clouds, lighting up the, the night. Y'all will never know what this means to me. Thanks again, Meriwether told us. Daddy gave a slight nod of his head. You're welcome. See you tomorrow, I said. But not me, Abigail informed us. My mama will be home tonight. Just wait till she sees our car. Bye-bye, Gabriel and Mr. Jake. As they drove off, I watched as the Chevy's headlights made the wet street glisten and the red taillights get smaller and smaller until they finally turned the corner and were gone. But the truth I'd learned that day was whirling around like a spinning top inside my head.